Amen. All right. Now, go ahead. If you don't have a Bible, go ahead and grab one because we are going to use those tonight. They're back there on the back table. And it'd uh, probably be good if we turn the... We might need to turn some lights on in here so people can see if they're trying to read those Bibles. Um, we're going to be in the book of James tonight. We're going to finish up James chapter 1. But before we get too far into that, hey, that's way better. All right. Now I can see everybody and what you're doing the whole time. In James chapter 1, we've been walking through this book and we've finally come to the end of that tonight. And tonight, James starts talking about being able to tell the difference between something that's real and something that's fake. So before we jump into those verses, I want to see if you guys can actually tell some song lyrics, if they're real or if they're fake. Now, I'm going to go ahead and tell you this. These are all songs that came out pretty much before any of you were born. Okay, so this is going to be like early 90s, mid 90s here. So your job is to determine if these, and these were Christian songs. So you guys are going to determine if you think these were real lyrics or if these were fake lyrics. And before I show you the answer, we're going to ask some of the adults to tell us if they think it's right or wrong. Okay, all right, so I'm going to put some people on the spot if they'll let me or maybe not. We'll see. All right, are you all ready to give this a shot? All right, here's what I want you to do. If you, when this comes up, if you think the lyrics are real, I want you to stand up. If you think they're fake, I want you to sit down. If you're just lazy and you're going to say fake on every single one, okay, I understand, I get it, but let's play along a little bit, okay? All right, let's try the first one. Was it hard to tell the difference between those song lyrics that were real and those song lyrics that were fake? What's that? Yeah, they're all bad, and that's that unfortunately... Those were, those were songs that were coming out when, when like Christian music was beginning to gain a lot of popularity. And while it was popular, some of the theology in those songs, number one, either had nothing to do with God whatsoever, or they were way, way off base. And that's why it's hard to tell if some of those lyrics were real or some of those lyrics were fake. And the truth is, for all of us, every single day, we find ourselves in situations where we've got to determine that about things and people all the time. A lot of us, we have to determine that about people. So let me ask you this. How do you know the difference between somebody who's being real and somebody who's being fake? You don't. Sometimes you don't. Things they say, okay. We got things they say, the way they act. The way they talk to you, their actions, okay, the way they present themselves, Jacob, the way they were and the way they are now, okay, so here's what I'm hearing from, from all of these answers I'm getting, you're kind of talking about the way people speak to you or about you or other people, and the way people act, that's how you know if they're real or fake, correct? It's, it's funny that you guys say that because that's exactly what James starts getting into tonight. You know, every one of us, when we have people in our lives, we have friends, we have people that we want to trust. We want to know that they're real. We want to know that who they say they are is actually who they are when it matters most. And James is talking about that idea as we jump back into James chapter 1. We're going to be in verses 26 and 27. He's talking about this idea of being real. Specifically, if you say you're a Christian or a disciple of Jesus, he's talking about how you can actually tell that somebody really is. Not just that somebody says they are, because let, let's be real. There's a lot of people who say they're Christian, but if you look at their lifestyle, the way they act, the things they say, the things they do, doesn't really line up with what the Word of God says. In fact, there, there's been a recent poll that says 71% of Americans consider themselves to be Christian. 
Now, you can look around you and look around what we see in the United States and know that there's not 71% of the people out there that are following Christ. Even if you get down to just our state of Georgia, 79% of people in the state of Georgia say that they are Christian. Translate that to your school. Do 79% of the people at your school really act like they're following Christ on a daily basis? Yeah, probably not. So you've got a lot of people out there who are saying, I'm a Christian, and there may be even some who do all the right things, but that relationship with Christ really isn't there. They've just learned how to play the game. And what James is talking about tonight is that we can actually look at a couple different things. He gives us a little sampling of what a Christian's life really looks like when they're doing what we talked about last week, when they're not only hearing the Word of God, but they're actually living it out. They're putting it into practice every single day. But before we read that, I want to ask you the questions. Who wrote the book of James? And who is James? The brother of Jesus. When do we believe it was written? 40 to 45 AD. Who do we believe the book was written to? All right. Why was it written? One, two, three, four. We got it. Awesome. All right. So I'm going to ask you guys, stand in honor of the reading of God's Word. Mr. Jared, come on up here. Jared's going to read our verses. Y'all give it up for Jared coming up here tonight. He needs to talk right here. There we go. Awesome. Y'all give it up for Ashlyn. She's doing a great job in the sound booth. Thank you. Take it away, Jared. Um, so it's a, if anyone thinks he is religious and does not bridle his tongue but deceives his heart, this person's religion is worthless. Religion that is pure and undefiled before God the Father is this, to visit orphans and widows in their affliction and to keep one's, one's self unsustained from the world. Now let's pray. Uh, dear Lord, thank you uh, for bringing us all here tonight and just help us to speak through Pastor Jesse and help us just uh, learn to, uh, what you need us to learn tonight. You pray. Amen. Amen. All right. Thank you, Jared. Y'all can have a seat. So... James verse or chapter 1, verses 26 and 27. If you remember last week, James talked about in verses 19 through 25, he, he wrote about being obedient to God's Word. And he actually referred to that obedience in terms of people who don't just hear the Word of God, but people who actually live it out. They do what they hear. And he used a great picture to help us understand that. Do you remember what that illustration was that he used about somebody who hears the Word of God and then does nothing with it? What did he compare that to? Guy in the mirror. Exactly. He compared it to somebody who listens to the Word of God and then walks away like they never heard it. He compared that to somebody who looks at themselves in a mirror. You guys know what it means to look at yourself in a mirror. And then turns around and has absolutely no idea what he looked like. Doesn't remember his reflection whatsoever. That is what James compared that to because the truth is we don't forget what we look like when we look in a mirror. You, you know when you start the day and you go to school what that looks like. So that's why you find yourself throughout the day looking at your selfie mode on your phone so that you can see that you look the same. That's why you go to the bathroom and look in the mirror so you can see that's what, that you look the same. You know what you look like throughout the day. James is saying if you look at God's Word, if you hear God's Word and you walk away from it and do absolutely nothing with it, then you've forgotten what God's shown you. You've forgotten what you look like, like, like that guy that looks in the mirror. He's telling us in those verses last week that you and I, if we say we're a disciple of Jesus, if we put our faith and trust in Christ, that we have a responsibility to act on what we hear. Now, I had a couple churches ago, had a young man in our youth group. He was one of the pastor's sons. 
And he used to complain all the time. I just wish God would teach me something new. I've heard all of this stuff before. I know everything that's going to be said. And the question we continued to pose to him, that's awesome. So what are you doing with what you've already heard? If you want God to teach you something new, if you want to hear something new, maybe God's waiting on you to act on what he's already given you. And that's what James is is speaking to tonight. He jumps into verses 26 and 27. And the very first phrase he uses here in chapter 1, he says, if anyone thinks he is religious. Now, when, when he's using that phrase right there, talking about somebody being religious, we typically get a picture in our mind of that's the things that they do. You know, we, we talk about, okay, if, if there's an athlete, we'll use the phrase, he works out religiously. Which means what? constantly, all the time, dedicated to it, devoted to it. They're going to make that happen. Or a musician, they practice religiously. They're going to spend all of their free time, every opportunity they have to sit down and do the thing that they care about. And James is starting off in this verse here. He's saying, if you think you're religious, then let's take a look at your life and see if you really are. Many people think Many people think that they are something that if you look at their life, it doesn't actually play out that way. For instance, I like to think that I'm a runner. And there's been times in my life where I have been a runner. But if you go back and look at my phone and look at the running app on there where it tracks my mileage, it will tell you that as of January 4th, I'm not a runner anymore because I haven't run in two months. See, what we do, if we say that's who we are, it actually has to play out in what we do every single day. We can say we're religious, and that's awesome, but that religious word has to actually mean something in your life. The evidence of what you do speaks to who you actually are. What you, are, what you do shows what you believe. And James writes here, if anybody thinks he's religious, and then he gives this snapshot of who they are, He starts to give some characteristics of what a truly religious person looks like, not just somebody that's playing the game, not just somebody that's learned if I go to church, if I sing the songs, if I check the boxes, I even put my tithe envelope in there, but somebody that actually truly has a relationship with Christ, and those things are an outpouring of that pursuit and that relationship. He's saying you can look at someone's life and tell the difference there, and he gives us three characteristics as he starts walking through there. Now, understand this. These three characteristics that he gives us here, this is by no means an exhaustive list. So it it doesn't mean that, hey, if you do this, this, and this, then you're a true Christian. What James is saying is, here's a snapshot. Here's a sampling. It's kind of like if you go to Chick-fil-A or somebody says, hey, describe Chick-fil-A's food for me, and you start telling them about the, the chicken sandwich with the pickle. If you don't like pickles on it, that's bad. And then you start talking to them about those, those crispy waffle fries with all the salt on them. And then you get to that, give you a cavity with one sip, sweet tea. And some of y'all are like, oh, I want that right now. That is not all of Chick-fil-A's menu. That's just a small snapshot. But if you can take a look at that, you got a pretty good understanding of what you're going to see when you get there. That's what James is doing here in these last two verses tonight. He's giving us a snapshot. He's giving us a picture that says, hey, if somebody says they're a Christian, look for these couple of indicators. There's a whole lot else that should be going on, but you should at least see a couple of things in their life that play out to prove that they are who they say they are. 
they actually do what they say they believe. And in verse 26, he says, if anyone thinks he is religious and does not bridle his tongue, but deceives his heart, this person's religion is worthless. So that first characteristic, that first one right there is being able to control your tongue. Now, he's not talking about the weird tricks that some of you guys do with your tongue. Like where you, you take it and you go, mm, do this curl thing or flip it or fold it in half. Or some of you can like, I've seen one or two of you actually take your tongue and touch the tip of your nose with it. It's, it's calling out Miss Kathleen on that. She's not going to do it, but she can do that. That's not the kind of control of the tongue that James is talking about. While it's impressive, that's not what he's talking about. He's talking about controlling your speech. He's talking about controlling the way that you talk about other people and to other people. Now, we're not going to camp out here forever tonight because when we get into chapter 3 in a couple weeks, he spends a lot more time talking about being able to control your tongue and the way you speak to and about people. But there's a principle here that we need to make sure we don't miss. And that principle is actually something that we see come from Jesus in Matthew chapter 12. You don't have to flip there. I'll read it to you. But in this passage, Jesus is talking to, catch this, the religious people, the religious leaders, the ones who were doing all of the right things. But listen to what he says to him. He says in Matthew chapter 12, starting in verse 34, he says, you brood of vipers, how can you speak good when you are evil? For out of the abundance of the heart, the mouth speaks. The good person out of his good treasure brings forth good, and the evil person out of his evil treasure brings forth evil. I tell you, on the day of judgment, people will give account for every careless word they speak. For by your words you will be justified, and by your words you will be condemned. He's, he's going to the religious people, the people who had it all together, the people who did all of the right things. These are the guys that were in the temple. These are the guys that were keeping the laws and doing the customs and making the sacrifices and even doing them for other people on their behalf before God. And yet he's telling them right here that even though they did all the right things on the outside, they were dead on the inside. He's saying, what's going on in your heart is what eventually is going to come out of your mouth. It's going to show up in your words. And that goes right back to what James was saying there. If you consider yourself to be a religious, if you say, I'm a disciple of Jesus, and yet you can't even control the things that you say, your mouth may be speaking out of where the heart is. At least that's what Jesus tells us here. He says, if you can't control your tongue, you're deceiving yourself because a corrupt and unholy heart will eventually be revealed through the way that you speak and the words that you use, the way that you speak to people and even when we get that one right the way that we speak about people that's the one that I think trips a lot of us up James says we've got to be able to control our tongue that's characteristic number one because out of the mouth the words that you use shows where your heart actually is and then he goes on to that second characteristic in verse 27 he says this religion that is pure and undefiled before God the Father is this to visit orphans and widows in their affliction and to keep oneself unstained from the world. That second characteristic of someone who's truly pursuing Jesus here is that showing love and mercy to the oppressed. Specifically, he's talking about orphans and widows here. Now, you guys are probably familiar with those two people groups. You've heard those words before. But in, in early Jewish 
society, these were the most helpless people groups. Because back during that time, for, for a, a woman couldn't just go out and get a job. She couldn't necessarily take care of herself. She was dependent upon her father while she was growing up. And then she got married and was dependent upon her husband. So when she didn't have a husband anymore, she wasn't able to just go get a job and take care of everything. She was dependent upon other people, upon family, upon others who would take care of her. And the same thing would be true for orphans. They would be completely dependent upon their parents for everything. So if they lost their parents, they have nothing. They didn't have like, you know, Georgia Baptist Children's Home where we can, do, we can take people in and we can provide for them and they can have an education and a house parent, somebody to actually look out for them. They didn't have the foster care system. As many problems as it may have, it still serves a good purpose to take care of children that don't have parents. Back then, these two people groups, they didn't have any of that. So James is calling Christians out here to say, hey, if you really want to display that God's working in your heart and you're pursuing Jesus and you love people the way that you're called to love people, he says, go love these two people groups. And that's not new with James. We see it throughout the entire Bible. In Deuteronomy chapter 10, verse 18, it says, He executes justice for the fatherless and the widow and loves the sojourner, giving him food and clothing. When that was written, they could not take care of themselves. And even into the New Testament, we're told how we're supposed to look out for people, love people, provide for people. 1 John 3, 17 and 18 says, But if anyone has the world's goods, and sees his brother in need, yet closes his heart against him, how does God's love abide in him? Little children, let us not love in word or talk, but in deed and in truth. And you need to understand here, he uses a word, he says, religion that is pure and undefiled before God the Father is this, to visit orphans and widows in their affliction. Let me make sure you understand that word visit, that doesn't mean you just go and check on them and see how they're doing. That, that's like going on a foreign mission trip and spending more time taking selfies of you and the kids who are in poverty than actually putting your phone down and doing something for them. And I can say that because I've been on trips where I've seen people do that. He's talking about getting your hands dirty. When you've got the ability to meet a need, when you've got the ability to provide for someone who cannot help themselves, who does not have that option, we're supposed to act and show the love of God in that moment, in that situation. It's a call for each one of us to move to action. To take what we know and to let it penetrate who we are so that it moves us to do something. That's what James is talking about here. He's saying that's a snapshot of someone who is actually following Jesus. And he finishes it with this last and third characteristic, and we'll wrap it up here. Verse 27, he says, after visiting widows and orphans in their affliction, and to keep oneself unstained from the world. It says right there, to keep yourself unstained from the world. Guys, that's a call to holiness. That's a call to live a life that looks different than probably 98, 99% of the people around you on a daily basis. We, we live in a world where we can turn in any direction and see ongoing rebellion against who God is. Constantly. You see it in the media, you see it online, you see it in school, you see it 
everywhere, every day. All you have to do is look around and see people. Their intent is to live a life that is going to disobey God's word. Plain and simple. And what he's saying here is that if we're going to be in this world, because we are supposed to be in this world, we are supposed to shine a light in the darkness. We are supposed to show the love of God and share the gospel of Jesus to people who don't know him. That's what we're called and commanded to do. But he says in the midst of doing that, you need to make sure you remain unstained. You need to make sure that you don't get so far into what's going on in the world trying to reach it that you become like everybody else. I've told you guys this before. I had friends in high school that would go out to parties on Friday nights and they would wear their Jesus t-shirts and you'd ask them, what, what are you doing? And they'd say, well, I'm going there so that I can be a witness to all of my friends who are partying and drinking and, and doing all the things that, that don't honor God. I cannot name you one of those friends that didn't end up doing what everybody else was doing. It, it just doesn't happen. And that's what James is talking about. He's saying... Remain unstained. You know what this looks like. Let me rephrase. Some of you know what this looks like. Some of you don't care if you have stains on your clothes. Some of you care very much. And you will go out of your way and do everything you can to keep your clothes and your shoes and everything you own nice and neat. I remember when, when Nathan was in middle school, there were some guys in his grade that were basketball players. And do you remember the guys that would bring another pair of shoes? Like they, they would have their nice, I mean nice, expensive basketball shoes. So they would wear a separate pair of shoes to school all day, put those shoes on for practice, keep them nice, and then take them off like the second practice was over. And yes, you can make the argument, well, they, weren't ba they were basketball shoes, they were expensive, they don't want to wear them the rest of the day. No, what they cared about was not getting those shoes messed up. Because then you could watch them and they're sitting there and they're scrubbing them and they're wiping them and they're taking care of them. Because they were so worried about there being a stain on them. We care a lot about our clothes when it comes to that. Sometimes we don't take the same care when it comes to our lives. When it comes to who God's called us to be, where Scripture tells us we're supposed to be set apart. 1 John chapter 2, verse 15 says this, Do not love the world or the things of the world. If anyone loves the world, the love of the Father is not in him. For all that is in the world, the desires of the flesh and the desires of the eyes and the pride of life is not from the Father, but is from the world. These verses and verses 26 and 27 at the end of James chapter 1, all of this points back to that passage we looked at last week about being not only hearers of the word, but doers of the word. So you have to ask yourselves, these questions. What do you do with what you know about God? Not what do you know about God. What do you do with what you know about God? Do you just know that Jesus died on a cross to forgive your sin? Or, or do you cling to that truth and that promise and have you actually asked Him to forgive you and given your life to Him? Do you know it? Do you do it? Do you just know that as a disciple you're commanded to love God above everything else and love others too? Or do you pursue God in every area of your life knowing that He's supposed to be in control of all of it? Do you know it or do you do it? Do you just know that you're supposed to live out what you say you believe? 
Or do you actually let the truth of God's word collide with your actions on a daily basis and let it change who you are? Those are the questions you have to ask yourself. If you claim to be a disciple of Jesus Christ, if you claim to to be his child, to be forgiven, you've got to decide, are you content deceiving yourself and never doing what God's called you to do? Or are you ready to actually put your belief into action? That is what James is calling us to do in this book. That is why it comes with a warning label because you cannot look at it and walk away and say, nothing in there for me. Because if you can, then you've ignored the whole point of that book. God calls us to take what we know about him and to actually do something with it on a daily moment by moment basis, no matter what's going on, no matter who you are around, being someone that pursues Christ with everything that you have. And I want to challenge you in here tonight. It's time to decide. And I don't know where you are. I don't know everybody's story. I don't know what's going on in your life. I don't know where you are in your walk with God. But I would lay down the challenge. It's time to decide. Are you going to follow Christ? Are you going to pursue Him in everything that you have? Are you going to keep doing all the right things and checking off the boxes and yet never really pursue Him? That's your choice tonight. Let me pray for us. God, we thank You. God, we thank You for Your Word. We thank You for who You are. We thank You for Your Son, Jesus. God, I thank You for the book of James because God it's a hard book to look at and live out but God it calls us to action and God I pray that for each person in here tonight I pray that for myself God help us God to have the courage the boldness God to pursue you in every area no matter who's around, no matter what's going on, God, to live out what we know to be true about you and who you've called us to be. God, I know I need that. God, I pray for each person in this room. If there's anybody in here tonight, God, that doesn't know you, that, that, that has not pursued you, that has not put their faith and trust in you, God, has not asked for forgiveness of their sins and your son, Jesus. God, I pray that you'll move them to that action right now right where they are. God, if there's anybody that's struggling, they know you, they have a relationship with you, God, but they know they're not doing what you call them to do. God, help them to have the boldness to make the decision right now, tonight. And that's going to change. That they're going to pursue you. People are going to know 